Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. It's Matt here, and at the end of this episode, I'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Journey app where you can access all of our recent message content. And actually, the app's the easiest way to share all this content with a friend and to keep up with everything going on around here at Journey. Just search Journey Calway in your app store. Now, most importantly, I hope this message inspires you to take your next step in following Jesus. Those of us who are Christians... We believe this deeply. We believe that everyone matters to God, whether God matters to them or not. Everybody, not not just the people who are easy to love, but everyone, even the unloving and unlovable people, they all matter to God, whether God matters to them or not. And because of that, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we are convinced that they ought to matter to us as well. So, we just realized, you know what? We need to come together collectively every year and practice giving serving and loving the people who in some cases would never do that back to us and in some cases cannot do that back to us and in some cases let's be honest it's just so difficult to love those people but we need to practice it and the reason we need to practice it is because anybody can love somebody who loves them back but only followers of Jesus can love people consistently who never ever love them back but that is what Jesus has called us to do and it's the example that he set And those people matter to God just as much as we do. So we've been practicing over the last month. Last week, if you weren't with us last week, we talked about what it looks like to serve these kinds of people. And we looked at Jesus' command, which is just, you read it and you think, that's impossible. Who would do that? But he said we should love our enemies. We should do good to those who persecute us. And so we talked about what that means and what that looks like and how you do it. And then uh, the thing that was such a highlight last week, I thought, is we had some of our community's finest and best nonprofit organizations with us. And so I challenged you at the end, hey, just take an hour between now and the end of the year, connect with one of these nonprofits, and go serve there with some family or with some friends because it gives us a chance to practice serving somebody who's not going to have an opportunity to serve us back. It is a great first step. And so many of you interacted with them. We, the feedback we got from these nonprofits was extraordinary because you did such a great job showing your appreciation and connecting with them. So thank you so much, all of you who did that. And if you didn't, uh, you can go on the app and you can find a list of those community partners and a way that you can partner with them. Two weeks ago, we practiced giving of our, with our generosity in terms of our money. And so we started our Christmas for Calway offering two weeks ago. And if you're not familiar with that, uh, we give as big as we can give every year at this time. And then we give every penny away to nonprofit organizations that we have vetted in our community. We basically go to them and say, What would make a big difference for you? What would help you make a big difference? They tell us what their dreams are. They don't know we're going to give them money. We don't promise anything. But we come back and say, okay, let's see if we can fund these dreams for some of these nonprofits. And so uh, you've begun to give. You have been so, so generous again this year. I'm going to tell you in a couple of weeks on Sunday, December 8th, I will let you know just how much you have given. Uh, But we have already started delivering checks. And if you have not given, we still have some dreams to fund. There are five different dreams we're trying to fund for nonprofits. We have funded four of them already. There's one more left to fund, and it's to help kids in our community who need uh, shoes and who need clothes, and those kids are identified by the school systems. And so if you want to give and you haven't, you can give in the app right now. And that's exactly where your money's going to go. You're going to help provide clothes and shoes for kids in our community who need it. Uh, so we would love for you to continue to give. I'll tell you in a couple of weeks, again, how, how much has been given in total. Uh, but we've already started delivering some checks. And over the next few weeks, I want to let you see the impact that your generosity is making 
And I want to spotlight some of these nonprofits and the extraordinary work that you are helping them do because of your generosity. So, we delivered a check this week to a nonprofit organization that you may be familiar with. They do phenomenal work in our community. Watch the screens. My name is Angela Boyd and I am the director of CASA by the Lakes. So CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. We advocate for children um, who are removed from their homes due to abuse and neglect. We're just hoping to change a life, to bring some happiness into a child's life that's going through one of the most turbulent, chaotic times that they've ever been through. So we want to be that one constant person in their life. We're giving them a voice where at one time they did not have one. Even as a child, I knew that I wanted to help other children. Uh, I think God put that in my heart back then, and, and, it, and it didn't change. It just continued to grow. Uh, I became a teacher because I wanted to help children. But when I got into the school system, I discovered that I was drawn to the the kids that were bullied, the kids that didn't have anything, and I didn't think I could do everything I wanted to there, so I needed to look for more. So I started working for Department of Juvenile Justice. When I got there, I discovered just how bad the system is and how it, these children, there's so many children that are hurting, and so I wanted to do more. <laughs> and so then I was watching the news and I saw an article about CASA. I don't know what CASA is, volunteering for CASA. So I went to the training to find out more. And I went through the training and I said, I want to do more. And the director at the time said, I'm glad to hear that because I'm leaving and we need another director. So I said, I'm not qualified for this, just like any other volunteer <laughs> says when we try to get them to volunteer. And, he, and they said, just put your resume in and see. So I did. And I went into the interview terrified, but knowing that God had put me on this road, that this is, it all led to that moment. I was not qualified. I had never directed anything in my life but my children. <laughs> and. Um, I saw the other people coming in, you know, so I said, God, if this is you, that's the only way I could get that. And lo and behold, I went from volunteer to director. This job has changed my life. Um, when we came in, we had, we had 12 volunteers and five board members, and we were serving 70 kids. And from the very moment I stepped in there, all I could think of was, how can we do more? 
There's so many kids out there hurting. And Kelsey was there at the time. We just prayed really hard and, and God just showed out really big. And I'll be there four years this year. We're now up to 50 volunteers. We have 15 board members. And this year, so far, we've served 186 children. And we're still going strong. And this community ha has come together. These people have come out of the woodwork to help us, to change the lives of these children. And it's, it's amazing um, to know that so many people care and to know that so many people recognize that these children need us, that they need us. So that is why I do what I do. Every day I get up if praying that I could just help one person, even if it's just one. And there's a lot of bad that you go through. I, I don't want to tell stories, but to know that you made a difference in just one, and then they'll go make a difference with someone else, and it goes on and on. I've had the opportunity to bring children to church and help them develop a relationship with God, and that's the, that's a lifetime change just right there in itself. So to be able to do those things, that's that's why I do what I do. Yeah. So thank you so much for being generous and supporting CASA, and we'll show you some of the other nonprofits over the next few weeks. Angela and her team do some extraordinary work in our community along with all of the volunteers. I know some of you volunteer there. Thank you so much for that. That is a, uh, such a crucial, crucial volunteer role in our community, and some of you are given a lot of time to do that. You're doing it extremely well. Uh, so we appreciate so much. Uh, all of you who give and do that. And like I said, if you haven't given yet to our Christmas for Calway offering, just go to our app or stop by the suite, either one. Uh, we'll be happy to help you do that. But that's what all of our money is going to fund, organizations like that doing that kind of incredible work. So it's been great. And I've never done this before, but I'm going to do it this time because I think it's warranted. Uh, I want to highlight for you just a minute and tell you the story about one of the people who gave to our Christmas for Calway offering this year. Uh, I would say one of the people who were uh, as generous as anybody else who gave to this. Let me introduce you to Hattie. Hattie's four years old. She's in our takeoff environment, okay? So last year, Hattie um, heard about what we were doing with this offering. I think her mom and dad probably told her. And so as Jeff and Ashley started explaining it to her, Hattie got all excited about this offering and she told them, I'm going to save up my money so I can give to the offering so I have something to give next year. So last week, Hattie comes in with a bag, with a Ziploc bag full of money. And she takes it to one of our volunteers and says, hey, I want to give this to the offering. And word got back to me about it. And I was like, oh, whoa, 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 I got to tell this story. So I called up uh, Jeff and Ashley and was like, hey, can I... You know, tell me the backstory on this. Can I tell it? So, so here's what Hattie did. Hattie decided she was going to save her money all year long. She went from last November to this November. She did not spend a penny of her money. She put it all in the Ziploc bag. And then when we had the offering, she brought it in and literally gave everything that she had, which is pretty remarkable. I don't know if you ha have had or been around a four-year-old before, but you put a four-year-old in the toy, store, uh, toy aisle at Walmart, and uh, it's hard to keep money in their pocket. I'll just tell you that. So this is a pretty remarkable thing on her part. And uh, I thought, what a cool story. What a cool story. 
but part of the reason she was able to do this, and I, I want to connect these dots for you real quick. Part of the reason Hattie did that, and you may be thinking this, you're like, well, yeah, you can give that money because her parents are taking care of everything. Absolutely. Hattie was able to give everything she had because she was 100% confident and convinced that Jeff and Ashley were going to provide anything that she needed this year and anything that she's going to need next year so she doesn't have to hold on to it. Now, one of the reasons some of us struggle with generosity so much is because we're actually not convinced that our Heavenly Father cares about and loves us enough to provide whatever we need. As a matter of fact, some of us think, and you would never say this, but this is just how we act, we live as if Jeff and Ashley care about Hattie more than our Heavenly Father cares about us. But the reason that Hattie is able to have open hands and an open heart is because she believes everything will be taken care of, and she's loved that deeply by her parents. And the reason I bring that up is because when you and I understand that our Heavenly Father really does care about us that much, then we get to live with open hands, and we get to live with an open heart. And you know what that does? It creates freedom in you, and it creates freedom in me. And it allows us to freely love, and that's exactly what life is all about. So one day Jesus is with his disciples and there's a big crowd of people and he's teaching and uh, talking to them and explaining some different things. And the Pharisees show up, a whole group of Pharisees. And if you know much about the New Testament, especially the Gospels, whenever the Pharisees show up, it's like Darth Vader music. You know something bad's about to happen. So they come walking in and everybody, when they see them, immediately thinks, okay, here comes conflict because they just didn't like Jesus at all or get along. So what they had done is they had been talking behind the scenes and they said, okay, we got to figure out a way to trap Jesus. They would do this all the time. They came up with different questions or different scenarios to present to Jesus thinking eventually he's going to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. He's going to offend the crowd. He's going to divide the crowd. You know, people will stop following him and respecting him. So they just kept trying and it never, ever worked. But you can give them this. They didn't give up. So they just kept on and kept on and kept on. And they had come up with this question that they thought was going to be a great gotcha question. And it was not fair in any way. It was a no-win question. And so they walk up as Jesus is teaching, and everybody stops and looks at him. And they had appointed one guy, one of their teachers, to ask him the question. So this guy, you know, interrupts everything, and he asks Jesus this. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So when he asked this, all the people listening, you know, we don't know how many, but there are a lot of Jewish people there. They're all thinking about their Jewish law, and there were 613 different commands that were part of what they called the law of Moses, and they believed all that came from God. So this guy, in essence, is saying, out of the 600 commands that God has given us, Jesus, we just want you to pick one. What's the most important? It is not a fair question. There's no good answer to that question. It's kind of like, do you remember when you were a kid, you would look at your parents and say, hey, which of your kids is the favorite? You remember asking them this? And they would always answer, at least mine would, either with the other sibling or if we all came together, they picked the neighbor's kids. It was never nice. They would, they would never look back and say, well, you are. Now, clearly I was, but they would never admit that, you know. So it's a no-win question, isn't it? It's a no-win question. Your parents were never going to answer that. It was a no-win question. Well, that's what, what this question's like with Jesus. It's a no-win question. And the Pharisees are certain he will pick some command, and some of the people in the crowd will agree and say, great answer. And other people in the crowd will go, that's a terrible answer. What about this command or this one? And it will create so much conflict and tension and you know, debate and arguing that people lose respect for Jesus. That was the whole point. But as you probably are smart enough to know, and the Pharisees just couldn't figure this out, you can't outsmart Jesus. So every time they tried, they would lose, and they were about to lose again because Jesus looked back at them, and he, here's what he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, this is the first and the greatest commandment. 
To which I think the Pharisees went, okay, well, doggone it, he did it again. Because if you're going to pick one, that's the one to pick. Well, just love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Because all the other commandments pretty much fall under that. So, oh man, he fooled us again. But in the same way, while this wasn't a controversial answer, this answer probably created a little bit of relief in everybody's mind there. And the reason it created some relief is Jesus had just said, hey, if you can only focus on one thing, focus on this. Love God with everything you've got. And the reason that creates relief is because you cannot measure that at all. Well, think about it. Loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, that is invisible and intangible. If somebody came to you and said, hey, how much do you think Matt loves God? Well, you can't see what's in my heart. You can't see what's in my soul. You can't see what's in my mind. It is impossible to measure that. That's something that's just vertical between me and God. And I think the Pharisees were probably relieved. Honestly, everybody in the crowd is probably relieved because that means that the greatest commandment, the most important thing to do is not something that you're going to get measured by. So other people can't tell how you're doing. You know, you can just look at them and say, no, 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 I love God. Yeah, but I saw how you treated that. It doesn't matter. I love God, and that's what matters most. But Jesus isn't done. So what Jesus does next is where things get controversial. And what Jesus does next is where everybody in the crowd set up, sat up and went, oh, we've never heard that before. Because he continues on. He says, and the second, well, wait a minute, we only asked for one command. Which Jesus is going, yeah, but there are actually two. And the second is like the first. In other words, you can't have one without the other. Okay. Matter of fact, to do one is to do the other, and to break one is to break the other. These two commandments are basically one and the same. He said, the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. To which they all went, oh no. Because that is measurable, isn't it? That is very tangible, and that is very visible. If somebody looks at you and says, how much do you think Matt loves God? Okay, well... Jesus said, let me give you a filter. Let me give you some metrics to go by. Let me give you a standard to apply. If you want to know how much Matt loves God, you just see how well Matt loves his neighbors as himself. And that's exactly how much he loves God. Or to put it this way, your love for God is demonstrated and authenticated by your love for others. This is what Jesus was teaching them. Oh, it's easy to run around saying, well, I love God, I love God, yeah, I do, you know, I love God. And then then measure it by, well, let's measure it by religious activity, you know. Let's measure it by church attendance, or let's measure it by what, Jesus says, no, 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 that's, all that's important, but it's important for a different reason. It's not important for that. It's all just helping you do what actually matters, and that is to love God by loving your neighbor as yourself. So your love for God and my love for God, Jesus is going, it's demonstrated, it's very tangible, it's very visible. It's demonstrated, and it's authenticated by your love for people. Now, as we've talked about in this series, the Jews had taken this idea of love your neighbor, and they had defined neighbor as, well, their fellow Jewish people. So there was a really little circle. And honestly, the circle was even smaller. It wasn't all Jewish people. It was just Jewish people who lived and believed and behaved like them. It was Jewish people who loved them back, if you will. And Jesus had shown up and said, no, 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 no. That's not your neighbor you got to widen your circle. Your neighbor is all people, every nation, every generation. Your neighbor is anybody with whom you lock eyes. Your neighbor is not just the people who love you back, but the people who would never love you back even if they had the opportunity. 
So when Jesus says, hey, I'm giving you a metric to measure how well you love God, his metric wasn't, well, how good are you doing at loving people who love you in return? Because quite honestly, anybody can do that. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to do that. Anybody can do that. He's saying, no, no, no. Your love for God is demonstrated and authenticated by how well you love the people who are unloving towards you and how well you love the people who, in some cases, are unlovable. It's why we looked last week, Jesus looked at them and said, you want to know what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself, to love people the way I've loved you? Well, you should love your enemies, and you should do good to the people who persecute you. That's what it looks like. And to the extent or the degree that you can love the people who are unloving and unlovable, to that extent or degree, you love God. And to the extent or degree that you do not love those people, well, that just shows your lack of love for God in return because they're one and the same. You cannot love God and not love those kinds of people because God loves those kinds of people. Now, that is so hard to do, isn't it? And you know part of what makes it so hard for us to love people that are unloving and unlovable? Well, Jesus actually gave us a clue. Because he said, you and I are to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't love yourself, you'll never love your neighbor. You can't love your neighbor any better than you love yourself. Because you can't give what you haven't received. You can't extend what you haven't experienced. You can't offer something to someone that you don't understand for yourself. Now, let me just dive into this for just a minute on what this actually means and why this is so important. To love yourself so that you can love your neighbor. The truth is this. Hurting people hurt people the way they've been hurt. And loving people love people the way they have been loved. This is why Jesus said this. And you know this is true because you've been on the other side of it, haven't you? You've had somebody explode on you, react to you in some way, treat you in some way, and you thought, whoa, wait a minute. This is like a 10-cent problem, and I just got a $100 response. You know, it was this small of a problem, and man, they just blew that up. And you've come to the conclusion, being on the other side of this, I don't think I'm actually the problem. I think this is just something going on in them. This is a they problem. Like, they're, they're so angry already, they're hurting so much already, they're so bitter already, it's just spilling over on me. You've had these moments where you thought, this isn't about me, this is about them. I'm just catching something that's already inside of them. Well, you were on the other side of this idea that hurting people hurt people, and they usually hurt people the way they have been hurt. But the flip side of this is true. You have done that, and so have I. And honestly, I think we move back and forth on this continuum depending on how healthy we are emotionally and spiritually. But we've done this to people. There have been moments where we have hurt people because there was some hurt in our past that we never dealt with, that we never healed, that we never let go. And we didn't even realize it, but we, because of that, were continuing to pass that on to all the people we interacted with or to a person or a group of people who reminded us of the person who had hurt us back here. And so we responded in anger because we got hurt by anger here. We responded with bitterness because we had something happen here that created bitterness or somebody demonstrated bitterness towards us. There was something in all of us that whenever we're carrying around hurt, we we can't contain that to one single relationship. It's going to show up everywhere. Now, the opposite is true as well. Loving people love people the way they've been loved. So when you interact with someone or encounter someone 
who just seems to, in all kinds of situations, demonstrate love. Even when they should be angry, they find, you know, it's like, wait a minute, why, how are they so patient and how are they so self-controlled and why are they showing love here? I guarantee you, if you dig around and start asking, is because there has been a point where they've realized just how loved they are. And because they understand how loved they are, they can show love to people who do not deserve it because they know there was a point they didn't deserve it and they were loved anyway. Another way to think of this is to think of it this way. You don't respond to people based on who they are. You respond based on who you are. Again, you know this is true because there have been moments where someone did something and you exploded. I mean, you just lost it. Or you became so offended and you said, that's it, that's it, and you just walked away. And then you've had other moments where somebody else did practically the exact same thing, but you didn't respond with all of those unhealthy emotions. You actually forgave them and loved them and let it go. Similar situations, same person, two different responses. Why? Well, the responses were based on who you were at that time and what you were carrying with you. You always respond to people, not based on who they are. You actually respond based on who you are. It's based on what you're carrying, what you've experienced, what you've learned, what you feel. This is why Jesus said, you cannot love your neighbor unless you love yourself. Because the extent to which you have dealt with the stuff you're carrying around inside of you will determine the depth to which you can love the people around you. Because again, you don't respond to people based on who they are. It's based on who you are. So, how do you learn to love yourself? How do you get better at loving you and dealing with the stuff inside of you so that you can love the people around you and by doing that, you're also loving God? Well, the Apostle Paul, he wrote this letter to Christians in Ephesus and he gave them some advice. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is entirely optional for you, but I think you'll find this fascinating. This may unlock some mysteries for you about what's been going on in your life. But for those of us who are Christians, he was very direct in terms of what we need to do in order to love God, love people, and love ourselves. Here's what he wrote. He says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. I read that and I thought, okay, that bar's a little too high. You kidding me? I'm supposed to follow the example God has set. That's unrealistic. I can't love people the way God has loved people, but Paul said, yeah, you should. Well, how, how in the world do I do that? Well, he tells us. He says, you do it when you understand that you're a dearly loved child of God. Now, here's all Paul is driving at. Paul is saying, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we have to understand that our identity, how we see ourselves, drives how we treat the people around us. He's going, if you're a follower of Jesus, listen, your identity is not based on what other people say about you. It's not even based on what or who you think you are. Your identity is based, founded, and formed in who God says you are. You are a dearly loved child of your heavenly Father. Let me tell you why this is so important. Because it means no matter what's happened in your past, it's just in your past. You're not a victim. You may have been victimized, but you're not a victim. You you may have regrets, absolutely. You may have hurt from the past, absolutely. But your past doesn't define you. It just reminds you. But there's nothing about your past that defines you. What defines you is what your Heavenly Father says about you. And so if you're going to learn to love yourself, here's what has to happen. What God says about you and what you think about you have to align. And for most of us, there's a gap. 
That's why Paul addressed this to them. He said, you need to follow. The standard is to follow. The expectation is to follow, if you're a Christian, God's example that he has set for you. But in order to do that, you've got to learn to see yourself the way God sees you as a dearly loved child of his. He goes on, he says, follow God's example as a dearly loved child and walk in the way of love. What does that look like? He says, it's pretty clear. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is Paul's way of saying what Jesus said on the night of his arrest when he looked at his 12 disciples and said, as I've loved you, so you must love one another. Paul says it's crystal clear. This is, for those of us who follow Jesus, this is what we are supposed to do. Not just the people who love us back. That's easy. Anybody can do that. We are supposed to love in a way that Jesus has loved us. Even the people who want nothing to do with us. Even the people who would never return love that we extend to them. Even the people who will not do good to us or appreciate the grace that we extend to them. Because that is what Jesus did in his death and resurrection. He said, I am extending grace and love to everyone, even the people, who will never return it to me. So then for those of us who are Christians, Paul's going, okay, that's the example our leader set, and that's what we're to do. And no, you can't do that on your own. But you can do it when you begin to see yourself the way God sees you. Because you will understand how much you have been loved when you did not deserve it. And suddenly it becomes so much easier to extend love to others who do not deserve it themselves. Because you know you have been right where they are. That's what he's driving at here. Every time I talk about this, my concern is always somebody's going to misunderstand. Because it's so easy to go, yeah, yeah, you should love everybody. Okay, that's great. That's great. I'm just going to go out and I'm going to love everybody. And then we just love people, you know, strangers and people who love us back. And we feel like that's good enough. Listen, what Paul is talking about here is not an emotional, sentimental, soft kind of love. He's talking about something that's sacrificial. He is talking about the kind of love that costs you and costs me to offer it to someone. He's talking about a kind of love that is supernatural. We cannot do this on our own consistently. It's impossible. It requires God's help. And he's talking about a kind of love that requires an act of your will and an act of my will to extend it. In other words, it's not going to be our natural response. It is you sitting down, me sitting down, looking in the mirror going, this person is so unloving and they will never love me in return. But in spite of it, I'm going to demonstrate love to them. This person will never do good to me in return. I'm going to do good to them anyway. This person will never extend grace back to me. I'm going to extend grace anyway. This person will never offer me forgiveness, but I'm offering them forgiveness anyway. That is a kind of love that costs you something. That's the kind of love that requires us to go, I am choosing to do this in spite of the fact nothing in me wants to do it. But that's the kind of love that our Heavenly Father has demonstrated to us. It is the example that Jesus set when he gave his life for us. So, what does this look like practically? Let me give you a couple of steps that quite honestly for each of us individually are probably going to be really challenging. And then I want to give you one collectively that's going to be a a simple first step to take that's not as hard to do, okay? Here's what this means for us practically. 
First of all, we have to start by, you do, by learning to love yourself. I have to start by learning to love myself. Because we can't love others any more than we love ourselves. So we have to learn how to take what God says about us and align it with what we say about ourselves. And for some of you, there's a little gap there. For some of you, there's a huge gap there. And this isn't going to be something that you wrap up and figure out in a week. It's going to take a lot of time. But you cannot love others any more than you love yourself. And to love yourself, the gap between what God says about you and what you say about you has to be closed. These two things have to align. Now think about it. Some of you know this. The way you talk about yourself, the negative self-talk that you have going on inside of you, it is so bad, you would never let somebody else talk to a family member or friend the way you talk to you. But those thoughts, those opinions, those perspectives, that's not what God says about you. Why are you saying that about you when God doesn't? You've got to close that gap. For some of you, you're going to have to process through this gap, and you're going to have to figure out exactly what God says about you. Because all you have in your mind right now are what the people in your past have said about you or the people in your present are saying about you. And it's just not true, but you have adopted it as if it's true, and you can't replace those lies with truth overnight. But you've got to find the truth and start replacing it. Which means you're going to have to dig into the New Testament, and you're going to have to see what God has to say about you. And you may have to memorize those verses and those statements and hold on to them. You may have to sit down with a counselor and start processing through, saying, I need help closing this gap. It's, God says this about me, but I believe this, and I don't know how to get them aligned. You'll have to do uh, some hard, hard work over a period of time. But again, that hard work is necessary, one, because you need to see you the way God sees you. And two, you can't see anybody else the way God sees them until you learn to see you the way God sees you. For some of you, you're going to have to learn to forgive yourself. That's part of what it's going to take to love yourself. And it's so interesting because there are things that you're still holding on to that you just will not let go of and move past. You're letting certain things define you, shape your identity. And it's ironic because you have a heavenly father who has already done everything necessary. He's already paid the debt and he's extended forgiveness to you. Now think about this. Your heavenly father will forgive you for that and you won't. Is your standard higher than his? That doesn't make any sense. You're going to have to learn to forgive yourself and you're going to have to learn to accept the fact that you have been forgiven because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. And when you begin to understand that God offered you forgiveness when you did not deserve it, you know what will suddenly become much easier for you to do? Extend forgiveness to the people in your life who do not deserve it. And maybe they don't even want it. But you'll be able to freely extend it because you will know you freely received it. So step one, and this may take a while, but it's to learn to love yourself. Then step two is to love those people I don't know who those people are for you, but you know who they are. They're the people on the fringe or outside of your circle. They're the people who are unloving, and in some cases, they seem unlovable. They're the people who would hurt you if they could, or they have hurt you in the past, and you've got boundaries, and nothing wrong with having boundaries. You ought to have healthy boundaries. But they're the people that you know they'll never return good for good. They'll never return love for love. They'll never return forgiveness for forgiveness. And so you have just shut them out. 
and you've justified the fact that because of what they did, which was probably extreme and probably, you know, justified, and you shouldn't forgive them, but you've been forgiven. A normal person shouldn't love them, but you've been loved when you didn't deserve it. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, we have to figure out how do you love those people anyway? How do I extend good to them even though they'll never return it? How do I extend love to them even though they're not going to give it back? You've got to figure that out. You can't just walk away. You can't just say, you know what, I'm not going to keep fighting for that. I'm not going to try to reconcile that. I'm not going to address that. I'm going to avoid that at all costs. Nope, when you have an opportunity to do good, you do it anyway. When you have a chance to reconcile, you reconcile anyway. When you have a chance to forgive, you extend forgiveness. Again, not because they deserve it, but because you have been given the same thing even though you don't deserve it. And so suddenly it becomes much easier for you to give a grace to someone they don't deserve because you've been given grace when you don't deserve it yourself. So, those two things alone. That may take weeks, that may take months, that, that may be, there's 2020 right there, right? It's like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to get from where I am to, to where I need to be. Well, it's a series of steps. And it starts by learning to love yourself because you can only love your neighbor to the extent you love you. And you can only love God to the extent that you love your neighbor. Especially those people who are unloving and unlovable. Now, collectively, I want to give us one final step. And honestly, this is the easiest one out of all of them. And I wanted to end on an easy one because those last two are so tough. Okay, So here's one that will make us all feel a little bit better. And it's a first step to get us started. I want to invite you to do something this week. This week, I would love for you to choose to love our heroes. Now, here's what I mean by that. We decided, you know what, it'd be awesome as we end this series to show all of the first responders in our community that we're for them and that we care about them. And so we came up with a simple way to help you do this because we knew you would love to do it. And here's what we've done. We went to all the agencies and we asked them for the names of all the employees that work there. And we took all of the names, most of them were able to give them to us, one or two didn't, so we just, you know, labeled them with the agency. But when you leave today, you're going to see two walls up there on the right, if you didn't see them when you came in, they're across from the cafe, and they've got a bunch of these envelopes on them, okay? And most every envelope has the name of a first responder in our community, and then it has what agency they're with and the address of the uh, agency's office, all right? So what we want you to do when you leave today is grab one of these. This is so simple to do. Grab one of these, and then inside of it, there is a blank card. So you take this home, and on this card, you write a, a note of appreciation to that first responder, okay? Whatever their name is on the envelope. Write a note of appreciation to that first responder, and then maybe if you want to take it the extra mile, you pick up a gift card and you drop a gift card in there. And then we want you to mail it to them this week so that this Thanksgiving week, all of our first responders are getting notes and gifts, letting them know how much we appreciate what they do. Now, this should be really simple for you guys to do, at least most of you. Some of you may get up there and you may see the name of the officer who gave you a ticket this week. Now it's going to become more difficult, right? Because you just spent 150 bucks, and now you got to drop a gift card in and say, thanks for the ticket. So that's okay. You know which cards you need to get if, you reckon, if you're like, oh, not him. You know, so there you go. Or not her. There you go. So, so we want you to grab one, all right? And we're going to make sure every first responder in our community knows that we're for them. The envelopes are already stamped. We have made it so easy for you. Write a note. 
drop a gift card in if you want, and put it in the mail. It really is that easy. Now, one more thing before we wrap up. Just to tie a bow on this entire series, here's the thing. We really do believe that everyone matters to God, whether God matters to those people or not. And we really do believe that it's our responsibility as followers of Jesus to love those people, even if they don't love God and even if they don't love us. That our love for God is best demonstrated and authenticated by our love for people, but not just the people who are easy to love. Our lo- anybody can love those people. Our love for God is actually demonstrated and authenticated by how well we love the people who are unloving to us and in some cases seem unlovable to us as well. So, you want to know how much you love God? Look at how well you're loving those people. And when you find yourself going, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Just remember, you don't have to do it on your own. Your Heavenly Father invites you to ask for His help. And in the process of praying and asking for His help, you are going to be reminded of something. You're going to be reminded that He loved you. And Jesus gave His life for you and extended and offered forgiveness to you when you did not deserve it. When you were unloving and you were unlovable. His grace towards you has never changed. And our grace and our love towards the people in our lives shouldn't either. Healthy boundaries, absolutely you should have them. Free not to love them anymore, not at all. Not for those of us who are followers of Jesus because we have been the recipients of God's extraordinary love. Now, if you'll get better at this and I'll get better at this, Not just in this season of generosity. If we'll just get better at this week after week after week. Something extremely powerful is going to happen. People in our community are going to know. Yeah, that we're for them. But they'll know that's a love that's uncommon and unnatural. They can't be doing that on their own. What they're going to do is they're going to see God in us and through us. And they're going to walk away discovering many of them that God is for them. And when you understand God is for you, when you see yourself the way he sees you, it changes everything for you. Let me pray for us. Father, this is so hard to do, so would you give us the wisdom to know how to do it and the courage and the strength to be able to do it? For some, just this idea of learning to love themselves and to close the gap between how they see themselves and how you see them, that's going to be weeks and months worth of work, but it's so necessary because we can't love people any more than we love ourselves. So would you help them to have the persistence and the strength and the ability to replace the lies that they have always embraced about themselves with the truth of who you say they are? It's part of what makes following you, Jesus, so transformational is you you change our identity and you root it and ground it in you and how you feel about us. Then help us to love those people, the ones that are on the fringe of our circles or outside of our circles, the ones that it's the last thing we want to do is show them love. Help us to do it anyway, because even though they don't deserve it, we didn't deserve it, and you did it for us.
And then for the first responders throughout our community who show sacrificial love day after day after day in serving us, would you just take these simple notes that we write and the gift cards we send and would you use it to show them, yeah, that there are a group of people at our church who are for them, but most importantly, would you use it to remind them that you are for them too? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast, it would really be helpful. And if you live near our church, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our phenomenal children and student environments, just visit us at journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Look forward to seeing you soon.